Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our, our final uh, session of our Wednesday night summer series for 2018. I'm glad to see so many of you here tonight to hear about our refugee ministry. And uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time introducing it because I think they have some things prepared that you'll want to hear. And um, we're just encouraged to see so many of you here tonight. Um, let's begin with prayer. And then uh, I think there's some singing about to happen, and uh, we'll just worship the Lord together. But uh, let's, let's begin with prayer. Would you stand with me as we begin our evening? Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your faithfulness. We've been focusing on that through this summer series, and we're thankful for this opportunity to hear of your faithfulness to our friends uh, who, are, who are part of our church here, who are worshiping weekly who you have led here and given us an opportunity to, to join you in your work among your people. We're thankful for this gathering tonight and pray that you would encourage us and bless us and inspire us by what you are doing through this ministry. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we've been focusing this summer on the faithfulness of God, uh, I think of no better qualified group of people to to share about that experience than than our friends who are joining us tonight often um, often in our lives we we notice the faithfulness of God more acutely as we go through difficult times and certainly our friends have experienced some difficult times in their life and um, so as they share they're, what they prepared tonight, uh, I want you to be encouraged and edified by them as they worship the Lord and, and listen to what is shared tonight um, with, with an open mind to, to, to what God is doing here in Lancaster. We spend a lot of time and effort and money investing in cross-cultural ministries and those who, who want to go and, and, and serve as missionaries, and that's a, that's a great thing. And um, for many years, we, we've talked among churches about a, a, what they called the 1040 window, which was a block across the globe, which was almost, well, it was very difficult to penetrate with the gospel. And we have been seeing God break that barrier and bring those people to where they can be reached, not just here in America, but all around the globe. And God is delighted to give us a little opportunity here in Lancaster to be a part of that work, and, and we're just thankful for that. So um, why don't we have some singing from our Congolese friend. John's, John's going to introduce the, the group to us, and then they'll, they'll sing some, some songs for us. So, John. We are going to take you 10,000 miles away from Lancaster County, to East Africa and Congo because we are going to hear music in Swahili and perhaps some of you who may understand one or two Swahilis, they will. But I will let you know what the songs talk about. Our main uh, choir organizer uh, is working this afternoon, but he was not able to be with us, but we have these young people to do the presentation. Thank you. Bwana unaweza mataifa yote tunajua oh wewe ndiye ulijua mambo yote mataifa yote yanapiga magoti mbele zako maana wewe ndiye jana leo na hata Mana we went here, Leo Jana Nata me 
tukufu sifa na tukufu ni vyako wewe Mungu sifa na tukufu sifa na tukufu Bwana wetu sifa na tukufu sifa na tukufu ni vyako wewe Mungu sifa na tukufu sifa na tukufu Umetupa maisha umetupa baraka sifa na utukufu ni zako bwana tokirimiwa baraka za mwili na zaro ni kwa neema zako Jehovah Elohim kwa akili zangu mimi nisingekuwa nilivyo ni kwa neema zako uimidiwe sifa na tukufu sifa na tukufu Mungu wetu sifa na tukufu sifa na tukufu The song says that every nation shall bow down and proclaim the Lord is king and there'll be great joy in heaven for those who know the Lord that's what the song is talking about in Swahili one more song and then we'll continue Papa 
kate ozalinzambe nangu ya papa ozongana kate yawe tell you that some of the music I may also not understand it uh, because it's not in Swahili but uh, it's uh, in their language and others in Lingala but the last song is talking about if you love Jesus you can see there by actions that they are vibrant and happy and enjoying because it means when you get to know the Lord then you are filled with joy and that is the kind of message they are, they are passing, that once you know the Lord, then you are no longer the same because you are filled with a certain kind of a joy. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is circumstantial, but joy comes from inside. And that's what it is talking about. Uh, I am very privileged to be here this uh, evening to share with you uh, very briefly of what, uh, as, as I think of we are celebrating still, we are celebrating our 50th anniversary and we are still talking about God providence and what God has done 
uh, in our church, and not only in the church, but also in the midst of his people, of the church who has been here. The other day we were thinking about the church, and the church is not a building. It is you and I that form the church, and this is the body of Christ. So when we think about the church, we are thinking what God has done using his own people, you and I. And I think one of the evening tonight is to share that God providence and what he has done. Let me remind you of Joshua chapter 24, that the people of Israel, they are now gathered in their promised land. They have overcome the evil, they have fought the war, and they have succeeded, and now they are in their land of opportunity. And in the midst of that, you could find them that they are filled with joy and happiness because they are very comfortable and they have won the wars, many of them, before they attain the promised land. Now, with all that happiness, there was, they were also in danger. Despite the victories, they were also in danger because they, most of them, they forgot where they came from and where they are. And it also happens to us as a human, human being. We remember to pray when we are in difficulties. But most often when we are happy and rejoicing and eating, we don't remember. Even I look at this nation, in times of crisis and catastrophes in this nation, Every single state goes to the church and to worship, and after a few months, they forget about that. But these people, they were reminded by Joshua that remember the things that the Lord did for you. Your journey from Egypt all the way to where they are, because he found them having their own gods, creating their own gods, and forgetting the God of deliverance the one who delivered them from Egypt to where they are. And it is in the midst of this crisis that Joshua stands with, the, with his message and asks these people, today you must make a decision whom to serve. Whether you are going to serve the God who delivered you out of Egypt or you are going to serve your man-made God, but you cannot serve both two of them because our God is jealous and requires, him alone, requires to be worshipped. And in that crisis, they had to make a decision. Whom shall we serve? Joshua proclaimed and made it clear that for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I want to build my 10, 15 minute speech on this. The fact that uh, I have been in this country since 1987. And when I came to this country in 1987, we were worshiping in this sanctuary uh, with our former pastor, uh, Bob Williamson. And for the first year, I was admitted at Lancaster Bible College. And I was there. I came alone. My wife and children, they were left behind. And a year later, Rebecca and our two boys, at the time they were three and five years old, they came with her. Don't forget, they had gone to the U.S. Embassy six times, and every time she went, she was denied visa to come. It was on the seventh time, and sometimes I wonder whether she had to go through the walk of Jericho seven times for it to fall, because it was the seventh time she went, and she got her visa and the boys. Our lovely twin girls, at the age of seven, they were denied visa to come, and they were left behind. And it was the hardest time of my life to think I'll leave my children behind. But God gave me strength and courage just to wait for him to do the rest. I trusted God would do the rest. So Rebecca comes and we continue to come to the church here. Very good support. Those who knew our problems like Marge and, uh, uh, and Jerry's tire, they were very close. 
uh, Sue Jones, they are here, they knew what we were going through, those difficult times, and, uh, the, and many other in the church and in the Lancaster Bible College body continued to pray, and uh, two years later, the girls were able to join us. But let me say this. There is a tendency being in this country where we have got everything compared from where we have come. We have got almost whatever you need, you get it. A country that is possessed with material, very materialistic, secularism, and now it is easy. Even after going through what we went through, it is easy for us to forget and find ourselves consumed by the contemporary culture. And therefore, that's why I like to think always, I need to contemplate all the time what God did in order for me to be whom I am today. And there are several things I remember. I look back and see the time I spent very lonely in this country, I look at the time that real finances, even to go to college, was a real problem. And I look back and go and see the cultural shock, the culture shock itself. I didn't know what... I have to tell you this story. I remember the summer came at LBC, and uh, the dining was closed. And we are told there were three, four of us international students at LBC that, that summer of 87, and we are told... Go to Giant, buy canned food, come, zip it in microwave, you get your food ready. And so I followed the instructions very carefully. In the morning I wake up, I run all the way to Giant. The only thing that was familiar is anything had the word chicken or beef. So anything with the chicken or beef, I could take it. So I got it, came back to LBC, I got my can of soup, and I zip it in microwave, and the rest of the story, you understand it. And I did exactly what I was told. Because there is an assumption, because you know those things, that everybody does. And that doesn't happen. We needed orientation. So going through those things, education system here, completely difficult. I am coming from a British system of education, a mental American education system. It was tough. It was tough. And almost put me into a state of depression. Because the first time I was away from the country, the first time away from my people, and I found myself almost to that level of depression. And that reminds me of God's power in my life. The things that I mentioned that now I went through, I saw God's power resting on me even under those circumstances that were very difficult. And then I thought about God's presence. Not only God's power, but God's presence. That every step I walked, I felt the presence of God. And God brought people and provided because he was leading the way and I was following him. He led us into a good health. We didn't have to deal with any medical, major medical problems those days. We didn't have any medical insurance. But God provided people within our, our home to provide medical care. I didn't have the college fee for the second year. God provided people to support me in the college education. And I finished that college education. Raising children in this culture was not easy either. And I'm sure it's not easy for you as an American you can just therefore think how harder it is for a foreigner. But we did it because God's presence was still with us. And let me say this. We saw God's power. We see God's presence. And now, not only that, we now see God's provisions in our lives. God provided. I am reminded of how I have enjoyed blessings, my family and I, that we did not deserve. We were clearly partakers of grace, even under those circumstances. But let me say some of the things that really made us who we are today, so that if you are sitting here today, that perhaps you can be touched, and when you look at the ministry like the ones we have today, you can understand the need 
to work with them. Because I'm standing here as a testimony of what God has done. I come to this country with only $87. And that was not enough, Jim, to buy textbooks of a college. And I didn't know anything about the money. I came from a poor country. It took the whole village to raise $7,000 for the first year at LBC. The whole village and the whole church in my, in my country to do that. But here it comes. A friend of mine today, I didn't know him, was, I was introduced to, he takes his car and meet these men he doesn't know all the way to JFK. He comes the first day, he misses me because my flight was stuck in Athens. I have no way to communicate that I'm delayed. I come the second day, and then he make another trip from Lancaster all the way back to JFK. That is Howard McCrory and his wife Lisa, who have now moved to uh, Qualiview Presbyterian Church. And I still remember that he, my first bank account, he opened for me. And he went to school and paid for all my textbooks for that one semester. I cannot forget these people because they have contributed to whom I am today. I cannot forget people like Lee and Anita Traub, if you remember these people. They are now with the Lord. They were members, and we met in members' class here in 1987. And for some reason, God connected us in a very amazing way. And they adapted me to be their son. And every Sunday after church, they would take me to their home, Lampetersburg, have lunch, and make a call to Rebecca because I was alone. And remember those days we didn't have cell phones. They were not common. It was only landlines. So we would go to his, I would go to his house, and every Sunday, I would use his telephone call to communicate to Rebecca. Every Sunday. Lee and Anita, they became so, they made their home a home for me, and they became my parents. The children have arrived now in 1988 and 1991, and they are required to have all this medical work done in school before they go. Allow me, Dr. Davis and Esther, to say thank you. <laughs> thank you. Ten years of free dental care from Dr. Davis. Not only for me, but entire family. Excuse me for my emotions. But it's God's provisions in my life. A gentleman by the name of Dr. Denlinger. Second year comes. John didn't have any school fees. And the message comes from the LBC Basar. Don't worry. Somebody finally came to know who that was. Paid my school fees. And I was able to complete my work for my school at Lancaster Bible College. I remember people like Walter and Joanne who are now with the Lord. Many Sundays and weekdays, they will come home. They will pick our children, take them to their compound, their home, have barbecue with them. Mr. Walter praying with them. They were young boys. They still have memories of those old days, of those people who are in their lives. And by the way, Esther, the first meal in your house was cranberry chicken. And cranberry chicken still remains our home favorite dish up to now. Up to now. Cranberry chicken. My wife learned how to make cranberry chicken from Mester. Today is our favorite meal up to now. I see the people like Dr. Ben Rogers, who is going to be with the Lord, and Eleanor. How Eleanor would come and take the young kids and leave Rebecca from daily activity, take them to the park, play with them, have fun, introduce them to McDonald's, and all those things that we could not afford ourselves. 
And I still remember moving from LBC, going to Leola, Leola to Lancaster, Lancaster back to Leola. I see Ben Lodgers always coming to help us to carry our staff and to relocate us from one place to the other. I see people like Stanley and Terry Morton, people that they, we, the first African-American came, we encountered with, that when Terry learned Rebecca was coming, she took time to come to the house, do clothes, and prepare the house for her, a little apartment we lived in. And not only that, every single weekend, Rebecca would carry all her laundry to go to Terry's house and do her laundry there. Every single week, that was our laundry machine's place. That's where I would go. I can't forget Ted and Sue Jones. The food bank in this, in this church started a long time ago, for those who are new. And, uh, and Sue would get all the food that we needed. And she would take time in the midst of raising her young children and to make sure that we got food every week. You may not understand what the food bank does, but we are recipients of those gifts from this church. Every Sunday, every week, we depended on what Sue Jones brought to our house. You cannot tell me there is no God. You cannot convince me that my God is not alive. The Westminster Church as a body of Christ. I still look back. We lived in a too small apartment just by the post office in Leola. And water comes, and look at the apartment and the children, and he was moved with compassion and said, this family couldn't live like that. He brings the matter to the session, and the session resolved to relocate us from there to a better living environment, Sunnybrook Townhouse, where we were there for five years. And for every month, the Westminster Church supplemented our income every month until I completed my master's degree and I secured a job that will be able to meet our needs. This body of Christ has done so much for us. In the midst of this culture, nothing can move me because I know my Redeemer liveth. My Redeemer liveth. We are who we are now because of the many friends and when minister ministering to us indiscriminately. And we need to contemplate all the Lord has done for us. Remember where he found you, what he did for you, how he has blessed you, how he has worked on your behalf time and time again how he has answered prayer and met needs. Remember his power in your life. We need to contemplate the fact that we have much today that we simply do not deserve. And you think of it. We are saved, secure, and headed to home in heaven. We have more than anyone can, be, can imagine or understand how shall we be remembered? I remember those people because of their good works. How will you be remembered? Like David says, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep. He is remembered because of his service to his people of his time. Do you have people in your time. Today, we are faced 
with a major challenge in our church. The refugee ministry that you have seen a small portion of it, we have 70 to 100 people every Sunday coming to worship here. Some of you may not even know. But we have 70 to 100 every Sunday coming to worship here. They don't drive. They are, the, they are depending on the people like you to volunteer your time to pick them up and bring them up here. Our mission field is Westminster. You don't need to raise money to go to mission work in Africa. Africa has come right where you are. We have an opportunity to make difference in people's lives. So we need to ask ourselves, how can we serve our family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, or those we don't even know? How can we serve this present generation? How can we serve this present generation? It's a time to contemplate what God has done in your life. And it's a time for you and me to give back. My wife and I and our children, we are who we are today because of the body of Christ at Westminster Presbyterian Church. And we shall be forever grateful for many who have seen us every step of life to be who we are. How will you be remembered? That's the challenge for you tonight. Our missionary, our, our, our work, our Africa is here. We do need help. We do need to minister to them. We, 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 they are in a very challenging situation. Being in a refugee camp for 20 plus years, your mental status becomes completely distorted. And the first thing is to deconstruct the mental status of the camping, of the refugee lifestyle, and start constructing a new life. And that deconstruction, it is coming with challenges. Families becoming disintegrated. Jim and I, we are faced with major problems because of the families becoming disintegrated, because they have arrived to the place where they have got freedom and everything. And that freedom and all the material they have have now become an enemy of their families and enemies of their lives. Will you be there? May the Lord help us. And therefore, I declare like Joshua, because of such great love for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. I really do. Believe it or not, we were contemporaries at LBC. I came to LBC in the summer of 88 and began about halfway through your time there. Uh, so I, I wish I had known you then. I did not know you because I came in as a transfer student, but uh, I'm delighted to know you now. Think about what he shared tonight. Who knew that what they were investing in years ago would result in Westminster, having a preacher of the gospel for these friends who are now in Lancaster. Who knew? We just never know the impact of what we do. And uh, thank you for reminding us of that. I was asked by Jim to share a little bit about my own experience with the refugees, and I'm the least qualified to be up here talking about it. <laughs> 
Um, I have wrestled all week long about what to share, and I'm still undecided. <laughs> so I'm going to share one brief experience, because our time is, is drawing short, and, and I want to leave some time for Jim to wrap up. This past Thanksgiving, our family was faced with a circumstance that we aren't used to. Usually, for Thanksgiving, we host my wife's aunt and uncle and, her, and their family at our house, and this past Thanksgiving, they were not able to come because her aunt was going through some radiation treatment for lung cancer, or breast cancer, I'm sorry, breast cancer. So nobody could come this year. And we were faced with a decision, what do we do? It's Thanksgiving, and is it just going to be our family and her mom, or are we going to do something different? And um, I remember Jenny came the one night and said, I think we should invite the refugee family that we have been driving to come to our house for Thanksgiving. Well, i got to admit, and I'm just going to be transparent with you, for an introvert like me, that did not sound like a very good idea. <laughs> what in the world would we talk about? How would we talk? It just did not seem a very appealing idea to me. Not because of who they were, but because of who I am. I literally had to pray about it for several days and wrestled with it. Every part of me wanted to say, now let's do something different. Because it would be uncomfortable for me. And I'm thankful for my wife, whom God has been using to open my eyes to see things more clearly with regard to our friends and all refugees, really, who are seeking asylum, who are seeking refuge, who are seeking a peaceful place that they can call home. They have lived in discomfort for most of their lives. And I was unwilling to spend a few hours of discomfort. We had them over for Thanksgiving. And it was one of the most enjoyable experiences. That effect on things. Sorry. <laughs> It was one of the most enjoyable days, one of the most enjoyable Thanksgivings I will ever recall. Uh, we went, we picked them up, we brought them to our house. Like always, Jenny prepared more food than any family could possibly eat. We enjoyed the meal together, we talked, we listened. One of the ones whom we had in our home is here tonight with us. And we actually got to know the family that we've been picking up and dropping off on a personal level. We got to spend time together and listen to some of the things that, that they do and like and enjoy. And we got to share what Thanksgiving is all about for our country. And what a fitting opportunity to have a refugee family in our home. And, and we just thought we were just being nice and doing something different, taking advantage of an opportunity to share a meal. We had no idea how much that would mean to them. <laughs> and I had no idea how much God would use that experience to begin to change my heart and my thinking, to give me understanding and compassion. You know, I've been praying for a heart of compassion. I grew up in a home that was very stoic and just seemed like they had hearts of stone. <laughs> and I remember praying specifically, God, help me to have a heart of compassion like Christ had. These refugees have been part of that process of God answering that prayer. We 
have the arrogance to think that we are blessing them. And God has humbled me to realize how much they bless us. So that's my story. That's my experience. How did it all begin? How did we start driving refugees? When this ministry began, it was announced in the bulletin, and I reasoned, I'm in so many other things. I don't need one more ministry to participate in. So I will let others in the church, this huge church of many, many people, I will let somebody else do that ministry. But a good friend of mine, Bob Hivner, called me one Saturday night or texted me, asked if we could give a ride to some refugees. Well, I have a son that was away in college. I have an older adult daughter who drives herself to church. And we have a seven-passenger minivan for three people to get to church. How could I say no? So we agreed. A few weeks later, he asked again, and we agreed again. And now, it's just part of our routine. You know, some Sundays, they don't come out the door when at the time that we expect them to come out the door. That's a hard adjustment for some of us time-conscious people. That's an adjustment that God can help you make. That's an adjustment that God has been helping me make. Is my pride too great that I can't walk into a Sunday school class a few minutes later than when it began? God has shown me what's really important. Relationships are important. Community is important, especially to our friends from Africa. Community, being connected, having relationships is a vital part of their life. It makes them feel wanted, loved, Significance. And so that one Thanksgiving meal had such an impact on them because we invited them into our lives. We had no idea. You have no idea how God might bless you should you answer his call to help out. Thank you, Mark. Well, thank you for uh, for coming tonight. Um, I'm just going to wrap up, and then I'm going to let them sing again because they're so much more talented than I am. Um, if you think this is good, you should hear you should hear a hundred people singing like this. It's just it's just amazing. Um, I want to just say one more thing about John. Um, he didn't mention this, but he spends uh, most of the year in Kenya. Uh, running a dialysis clinic. So you see him sporadically. He's here until the end of August, uh, unless we can put him off for a month or two. He's here to the end of August, and then he'll be he'll be gone for three or four months, and then he'll come back. So he goes back and forth. So that's why sometimes you see him and sometimes you don't. But I, I just want to say on behalf of uh, uh, the refugee ministry, I just want to say a big thank you to, to you as uh, people at Westminster. Um, you have really welcomed a stranger uh, over the seven-plus years that we've been doing this. And you've been very kind to these people and, and so extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily generous. And, and I just want to say thank you uh, on behalf of all the volunteers and all the families that we have ministered to. Um, I think uh, while we were ministering to the Burmese and the, and the Nepali, I think that we had about 300 refugees at one time or another come through this church and we're blessed by you and now we have a whole new group and uh, so we're thankful for your uh, service to them and we're especially thankful for um, 
Mary Jo Rizzo and Rachel Waldo and all the Sunday school staff who um, have just gone way beyond the call of duty to serve our children. And we really have lots and lots of children, um, probably uh, 60 children that are here uh, pretty regularly. And uh, that can be very chaotic at times, but I know that um, the Sunday school teachers and staff have uh, have um, been uh, very patient and uh, joyful in their service. So we're thankful for that. And I just wanted to just close by asking you to pray uh, for us. You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9 uh, that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send laborers into the, into the harvest field. And we, we really need volunteers. And so I would just ask you to pray that God would raise up more people. Uh, we, um, we had 102 Congolese in, in this room on Sunday. And somehow, I don't know how this happened, but somehow we drove 90 of those people here in time for church. And um, Darla Ash is our refugee coordinator, and she spends a lot of time uh, calling people to try to find people to drive. So if, uh, if you'd like the joy of having uh, these people singing in your car all the way to the church and all the way back, you should see Darla. Stand up, Darla, and say hello. So just please pray for volunteers. Um, we really do need people to drive. The second thing I'd ask you to pray for is for families to do what people did for John and Rebecca and their children. We need people to really adopt families. We have... Um, probably 20 to 25 families right now that come regularly. And we, we need a whole lot of people who are willing to say, hey, you know, once a month I'll have them in my home or I'll take him to, I know they all like to go to McDonald's, take him to McDonald's or something. So, um, the, you know, the friendship and the mentoring and the tutoring of the kids, helping them in school is really, really valuable. And the third thing I'd ask you to pray for for us is just for wisdom. As John said, it's really it's really kind of overwhelming, and uh, we're we're stumbling along, and uh, we really just need wisdom. Some of the some of the situations, some of the difficulties are very 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 hard. Uh, people have really suffered suffered a lot. I mean, these people have have seen family members killed. They've seen parents killed. Uh, they've seen they've had family members taken away from them. So it's very traumatic what they've gone through. So uh, we just need to pray for wisdom for uh, uh, the best way to serve them. So thank you so much for coming tonight. It's really, uh, it's really a blessing uh, for me uh, uh, to be part of this church where, where there's such an interest and such a willingness to, to serve people who come from different places. So thank you so much for your interest and for your prayers. And now, uh, boy, if you can bring everybody up, let's have, uh, let's have at least one more song. Oh, I should tell you one more thing. When, when John is in Kenya, you, you probably don't know this. When John is in Kenya, he, he still preaches here. We have a large screen TV that we bring out, and he preaches over the Internet. And so he preaches every Sunday. Uh, uh, he's been doing it every week for over a year now. And so we're still blessed. Even when he goes back to Kenya, he can't get away from us.
bwana wa mabwana anaweza Thank you very much. Well, let's uh, just close in prayer, and then we'll, uh, you can come up and greet our friends if you'd like to say jumbo. It means hello, jumbo. So let's pray. Father, how uh, we rejoice to uh, spend time singing and being with uh, our brothers and sisters here from Africa, and how, how we rejoice to see a little taste of heaven, to know that... Uh, the gospel is for every tribe and every tongue, and that um, somehow in heaven we'll all be together and we'll all be able to worship you together, uh, not losing the different cultures, but celebrating uh, your gifts to people in uh, different ways. 
So thank you for, for your blessing on us. Thank you for this time tonight. And we just pray that you would continue to help us to serve and uh, help us to serve these people well as we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.